Welcome back to the Homeless Podcast. Jared, it has been a minute. I know, I kicked into uh, stealth mode for a bit. Uh, now, if you haven't been over to the YouTube page, there are some interviews there uh, that haven't made it to the podcast platforms just yet. Uh, but I need to begin uh, by reminding you that we are diving into a topic uh, that's new to the Homeless Podcast. And that is the topic of masculinity. I know there's plenty of uh, podcasts on the subject. But what I'm hoping for with these interviews is to challenge us preachers to become more than just spiritual specialists. If you're anything like me, it's easy to get sedentary, fat, lazy, because so much of the work of a pastor can be reactive. So here's my warning. In the next few conversations, you're going to hear some topics that we don't often talk about. There's going to be some language that may offend you, but there's going to be some things that we can learn from everybody on here. So do yourself a favor and let these talks challenge you where you are weak. My guest today is J.P. Donnell. He's a former U.S. Navy SEAL and now leadership instructor with Echelon Front. He serves as the director of tactical training programs. J.P. spent almost 10 years in the SEAL teams with three combat deployments. During his time, he served as the point man, machine gunner, um, the lead sniper for Delta Platoon, opposite of, here's a name you might know, the American sniper, Chris Kyle, who was in Charlie Platoon. His time with the SEALs meant that he worked closely with officers Jocko Willink, there's another name you may know, and Leif Babin. And much of the time that he spent with them appears in Jocko and Leif's book called Extreme Ownership. Great book, by the way, if you haven't, uh, you haven't got your hands on that. Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. Um, he was kind enough to sit with me and talk through some of his adventures on and off the battlefield. You're going to love this conversation. Uh, what a good dude. This is J.P. Donnell. J.P. Donnell, welcome to the Homilus Podcast. What's going on, man? Good to see you. Thanks for doing this. You as well. Thanks for having me on. Well, let me start by saying uh, thank you for everything that you've done um, for the country. Um, appreciate that. All your service. You put, in some, uh, you put in some time and some work, I hear. Uh, a little bit. A little good bit. times. Yeah, I yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. Good that's opportunity. Excellent. Well, here's the thing. This is a preaching podcast. And whether you know it or not, um, now everybody's going to come on here and they'll be like, JP Donnell's a preacher? I had no idea this guy was a preacher. <laughs> <laughs> I had no clue. JP Donnell's a preacher? I didn't even know. Yeah. I had no idea. Oh, goodness. <laughs> like I've, been I've been accused of a lot of things i've never been accused of being a preacher you know my nickname in boot camp was preach is that right because because i'd say a group prayer for the guys every night uh before we went to bed in boot camp um you know i was in my sixth day of boot camp when 9-11 happened uh -huh. so there's a lot of fear and uncertainty in in what we were doing um i however I, you know, there was no fear and uncertainty for myself. I mean, obviously for what's happening with our nation, we just got attacked. It was horrible. Uh, but I knew that once I got done with boot camp and my schooling, I was going to San Diego to go to Bud's to become a Navy SEAL. Like I, I knew that, right? And so I had a little more security in what was going on because I knew what my next steps were. But a lot of these guys that didn't join the military to go to war are now afraid that they are going to war. And so I, I grew up uh, with very um, strict religious parents, uh, grew up in church, uh, but not strict religious like 
the bad version of that to where like I rebelled against it and I hated it. I, I just, you know, that's what we knew and that's what we did. And so when um, I was in boot camp, I was, you know, reading my Bible every day, every night. And then I would say group prayer for the guys before we went to bed. And then when we were deployed to Ramadi in 2006, we didn't go out on a mission unless I said a group prayer for the guys real quick. So uh, it's kind of funny how you said that. And I'm thinking back, I'm like, wait, actually. <laughs> <laughs> J.P. Donnell is a preacher. We had no idea he was a preacher. Uh, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> well, hey, here's one, of the things that's, here's one of the things that's really cool. And one of the reasons that I wanted to visit with you, uh, other, than, uh, other than all the work you've done um, with the Navy SEALs, all the work that you do with Jocko and Leif and um, and and Echelon Front. One of the things that I that I've that I've read and that I've heard I've heard you talk about is the communication part. And you talk yes. about having some. You talk about having some um, uh, some obstacles to have to overcome to be a good communicator. Yes. And then you find yourself in that place to where now you're not just a guy with a gun. Now you're not just a guy that's, this, that's, uh, that's setting up tactical operations. Now you're a guy who is standing in front of large groups of people as keynote speaker and conveying business and organization type um, leadership structure and tactics to massive audiences. So tell us yeah. about how you go from being this this guy with a gun to now this now this front and center guy that's doing these doing these speeches. What are some of the things you had to go through? Uh, well, honestly, that all started when I was in elementary school because uh, I grew up with a speech impediment, and um, I was in speech therapy for all of elementary school, hmm. and um, I just had a real hard time putting my words together. I would slur my speech. I would mix up my words. Um, to this day, I still I'll mix up my words. I'll I'll make up words. That's that's really fun when you're on stage speaking, and that happens, and nobody's aware of it. But like I'll do it, and I'm like, mm, dang, <laughs> it just kind of like throws me off my game a little bit. But um, yeah, in junior high, I was I was pretty shy. Like I wasn't. I mean, I had my my friends that would probably think that I wasn't shy, but I didn't really like talking to people I wasn't really close with. Um, you know, I was really small and short, so I was, I was pretty insecure about that. Um, I was real skinny. And then in junior high, I'm uh, sorry, then in high school, still kind of the same. Like I had my friends, but I, I wouldn't say like I had like a group. You know, in high school, you had those little cliques yeah, and groups. Yeah, like yeah, I didn't sure. belong to anybody, which now looking back, I'm like, cool, you know, but it, it made it awkward, you know, like I had my friends but they always had their little core group and I'd be like, cool, let me hang out with them. And I'm going to go hang out over here and here. It was just, you know, I never really like fit into any one group. Um, and at the time, like I just said, it wasn't, it wasn't comfortable for me. Like I didn't like like the breaks or lunch breaks. Cause I never felt comfortable. I just, I, I was like, was always like super tense and had anxiety. Um, I don't know why I have no idea. It's just, you know, how it was. And then I go into the military and, you know, communication is key. 
you know, and I learned that from day one in boot camp. Like, you know, you know, if your if your directions are not clear, and if you're not clear with your directions, then you're going to have some issues and some problems. And then going through buds to become a Navy SEAL, buds is a basic underwater demolition SEAL training that we go through, and it's very tough, intense training. You know, there's about 222 guys in my class when we started, and I was one of 28 of the originals that graduated. So it's a high attrition rate. Um, you know, it's just a lot of hard physical training. And, you know, there's obviously some the intellect side to that. And you have to pass different tests and, you know, be proficient with uh, different things. And that's when I started to learn that, you know, or I started to see the impact of leadership, right? Good leaders, bad leaders, good communication, bad communication. Just because you're talking doesn't mean that you're a good communicator. And that's right. what I realized is, just because someone's always running their mouth doesn't mean that they're good at communicating. Yes. Uh, they could be totally throwing things off. Yeah. And I was in a position of leadership, like at a very young age, I was going through buds. I was only 19 years old, right? 19, 20 years old. And I got put in a position of leadership where I was a boat crew leader. And uh, that was normally for officers, but for whatever reason, like within the height line, we had this little group of guys in a boat been a boat crew and i was a senior ranking guy out of that group which is crazy um and you know and then all of a sudden now i'm the boat crew leader and i was just trying to you know recreate what i was seeing from other good leaders um trying to not do what i was seeing that was bad from like bad leaders and just remember what my father and mother had taught me about leadership and just you know leading our family and leading you know my dad out on job sites and whatever i you know i saw my have with my parents and different family members and so i was i was just trying my best and i i realized that when i was able to communicate clearly to my guys we were able to do much better mm. and you know i i was young and I was immature and I would lose my temper and I'd get mad. And I realized that whenever I would do that, it didn't make anything better. So if all of a sudden now I have, I'm, you know, trying to argue with somebody or I lose my temper, then they get defensive. Right. And then, you know, and then that defense can be turned into an offense. And then all of a sudden now we're going back and forth against each other. And it just never was a good thing. Um, you know, one of our leadership instructors, Jason Gardner, who I served with in the SEAL teams. He did 30 years in the SEAL teams. And yeah, just an awesome career. Um, let me let me find this. I want to find this. Um, he just posted this quote last night, and I was like, oh, I'm stealing this. It says, when you show someone anger, they will instantly become defensive, and then often offense, offensive. You won't convince anyone of anything by yelling at them. Mm. and man i wish i would have read that when i was 18 19 yeah. years old 20 yeah. 21 you know <laughs> 31 33 last, you know, last thursday 35 <laughs> last week you know um shoot i wish i would have read that yesterday morning before i got upset no right. i mean hey human nature you know we have those emotions that god gave us yeah um you know and it's up to us to use those emotions to our advantage not to our disadvantage yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about God not being a puppeteer, right? He's not yep. going to dictate what we do and how we do things. And it's like he gives us the ability to to make our own free decisions, and yeah. which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. And it can be a, you know, a beautiful thing that turns bad. So yeah. uh, anyways, 
I, you know, I was, I just remember going through buds and just kind of realizing that. Um, and then go through the advanced training. I check into SEAL Team 3. And um, I had a chief that was a horrible communicator. I mean, he was just one of the absolute worst people I've ever met in, in regards to trying to communicate. And like, if he didn't get a point, like if guys didn't understand, he'd just be like, you know what? And just like added a bunch of words and like you, you know, and he just, his filler words then became like a bunch of cuss words. And you're like, you're an idiot. You're not making anything better. Like, Oh, Oh, now you dropped the F bomb three times. Now I get it. Jeez. Thanks for helping out. It's a lot, like, clear, it it's a lot clearer now. Now I understand <laughs> your jumbo, like jumbled information because you filtered it through the F bombs. Like, Right. Cool. I'm worthless. Oh, that's great. Now, now I, you know, now that you said I'm worthless piece of, you know, now I'm, I'm understanding what you asked me to do. And right. fortunately we have some older guys in the <clears throat> platoon. We call them old guys. If you have like two or three, four platoons, that would be like his filter. Be like, Hey, what chief is trying to say, or Hey, what you guys need to go do. And then give very simple uh. tasks. And guess what? People, we're able to understand, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and then, um, and then we we're on our first appointment. He got fired. Thank goodness. Cause he was just a train wreck. Put another guy in position. Uh, his nickname was pepper. The guy was a stud. I, I love pepper. He's one of my, one of my top favorite seals that I ever got to work under and learn from. Um, you know, he really helped me shift my perspective and mindset in regards to how fortunate we are to be able to do what we do. And even when we have the really crappy jobs, we're going to do them and we're going to do them better than everybody else. And we're not going to complain. And that if we really stepped back and looked at that crappy job we were doing and found the good in it, that things were going really well for us. Yeah. And that was always very unique, right? Um, Cause my first deployment, we were supposed to go overseas and do these capture kill missions and then they switched it up before we deployed. And all of a sudden now we're doing like a week and a half of training to become prepared to go do these capture kill. I'm sorry, personal security detail missions overseas. And it's like, wait, hold on. You go from doing <laughs> capture kill missions. Like that's all we plan and prepare to do to now all of a sudden babysitting. we're going to do personal security. Yeah. We're going to be babysitting adults. I was, I, I had a really crappy attitude about that. Um, you know, cause I had buddy, I had my roommate, like in another platoon, like blowing open doors, getting in gunfights, doing capture kill missions. And I am playing bodyguard for the vice president of Iraq. I wasn't too thrilled about that, but <clears throat> Pepper sat me down. He you know, had a nice little tune up session with me, <laughs> got my attitude right. Yeah. And then he sat me down and we <clears throat> sat in a car. <clears throat> it was one of our vehicles that we drove. And, you know, he just, he broke it down to me and it really changed my perspective. And I felt really embarrassed. I felt really embarrassed afterwards that I had acted immature. I was, you know, just, you know, said stuff I shouldn't have said. And I was acting the way I shouldn't have acted. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, one thing I learned from that conversation was how people react off of our attitudes, right? And yeah. they react off of our body language. And while I wasn't like, I was outspoken as most of our guys were about what we we're doing. 
but it didn't take me saying it to everybody. It was the way I held myself, the way I was acting and just, you know, just that was an, an early indicator for myself that man, you know, no communication is a form of, of communication as well. Absolutely. And you know, your body language, how you talk to people, interact with them, how you hold yourself is a big indicator and people feed off that, that attitude Absolutely. is contagious Absolutely and you have right. to be aware of that. You have to be aware of that. And so, um, you know, that, that happened. And then we got back from that deployment and then Jocko came in as our task unit commander and you know, he brought in this mindset of extreme ownership that we were going to own everything that affected our mission, affected the battle space, affected our training, our departments, our task unit, everything. You know, we weren't going to complain and we were going to build relationships with other departments and units that affected our mission, right? right, right. And what, what did that take? Actual conversations, talking <laughs> with people and departments and, you know, instead of saying... This is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I need, 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 need. Instead of constantly withdrawing out of that bank account that we have, right? We all have a bank account of leadership capital or capital with other individuals. And if all we're doing is withdraw, 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 eventually that's going to run out. And so we all realized some sooner than others that we had to be building relationships with these other departments. And, you know, I remember it was very powerful when Jocko was like, hey, if supply doesn't get us the gear that we need, that's actually our fault. <laughs> because that means that we didn't inform supply that we needed this gear for this block of training and that it was critical to our success in training, which is critical to our success on the battlefield. So if we're not having those conversations ahead of time, if we're not building relationships, then that's 100% our fault. Well, see, JP, here's the thing that I love about what you're talking about right there. And this is you so part of part of what I'm trying to part of what I'm trying to do with this next season um of for the for the podcast is is this very thing talking about what do men need to do when it comes to communication? How do they need to handle themselves? How many yeah. guys, how many guys, and so let's talk Frank for a second. How many guys, they go to work and they have a situation with their boss. And so instead of going to the boss and saying, hey, we got a situation, they do something undercutting. They do something yep. passive aggressive. Think about yep. it in terms, of, in terms of your marriage. You know, dudes are super good at this. Dudes, dudes are, we are weak minded individuals when it comes to our wives at times. And so one of the things that I've seen, I know I've fallen into it myself. I've heard a load of dudes come in and talk on a, like on a pastoral counseling level. I'll sit down with other couples. What you'll hear is a guy saying like, oh, why doesn't she want to initiate sex? Why won't she initiate this? Why should, why won't she? And it's like, hold on a second. Hold on. Like, here's a conversation my wife and I had. She's like, are you upset? I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I'm a little upset. Okay, why are you upset? Well, because like I've been hitting around at this like all afternoon and you know, here we are. Yeah. And and she says, Did you say it? I'm like, in in a own it, Jared. Own it. Just own the yeah. situation. You yeah. did did you say it? No, I I I sh I should have I should have verbalized it. Okay, listen, I'm not a mind reader. I'm not a mind reader. How in the world would I know that, Jared? Like, I, you know, because I, I I think you should because yeah, exactly. Because we think they should. We think <laughs> right. that they should understand when we're doing something or saying something that we want to have sex. Or yeah. it would be nice. You know, it's really funny we're talking about this because I've had these same frustrating conversations with Amanda, and 
and, and, and whatnot. And I actually have had it with a handful of my buddies as well, because yeah, you know, I, I don't know why. I mean, I understand kind of why, like a lot of my friends come to me to talk and sure. advice because of kind of what I do now. Yeah. But, um, you know, the biggest myth about communication is that communication actually exists. And what you were just saying is kind of, kind of like within that line, because you're like, Hey, I've been hinting, I've been doing this. Why don't you understand what I want? Mm -hmm. Well, God made us to be two different people, right? Right. Yep. Women are women and men are men. That's the way it is. Yeah. You know, there is no other option. It's right. a man or a woman. Yeah. And a man is a man, a woman is a woman. And we can't expect women to have the same thought process and tendencies that we do. Absolutely. Because we don't have the same thought process and tendencies that they do. And that's fine. So we need to be aware of our communication and, you know, how we need to be more uh, effective with it. I think the reason why we do this, Jared, is because we just, for me, it used to be like, well, well, I mean, what, do you not want to? Like, <laughs> right. Like, right. what's wrong? Like, yeah. you know, like, yeah. Our phrase for it is filling in the blanks. So here's one of the things that, that we talk about in our men's group. We talk about filling in the blanks. So if there's a blank left, okay, so I've hinted at this, I've hinted at this, I've hinted at this over and over, and yeah. she's not doing it. Okay, you don't have an answer on how she feels about you. You don't have an answer. You didn't ask yeah. a question, right? You didn't ask a question, so you don't have an answer for that. So here's what we do. We come along and we go, well, I'm going to fill in the blank. Well, she must be mad, or she must be angry, or she must not want to, or she must not find me attractive, or she, whatever it is. And we start filling in the blanks. And we do that all the time for other people. We just begin to assume things. It's like, hold on a second. You're filling in the blank on a story that's not even your story. You don't know how she feels because you weren't man enough to ask the right question. So why don't you nut up? And ask the right questions, you know? Exactly. And so we talk with companies all the time. You know, that's, that's what I do, right? I'm yeah. a leadership instructor and speaker for Echelon Front, which is the leadership and management consulting company that Jocko and Leif started, right? So that was the first instructor they brought on three years ago. I mean, I've, it's a ridiculous amount of companies I've had the privilege to work with over the last three years all across the world, right? Internationally as well. Right. And so sometimes, and Jocko talks about this on his podcast, and I believe he was talking with Peter Roberts from Origin about this. And this was when they first met and did their podcast interview together, announced their partnership. Jocko partnered with them in Origin and Origin Labs. And Pete was sharing, it was Pete, because Pete was sharing a story about with, when he had some problems with one of his companies. And Jocko was kind of dissecting it, and they were talking back and forth, and it came down to it's like, hey, you know, if there's some bad news, you need to share it with your team right away because mm. they're going to make up in their mind whatever they think, right? Exactly right. And it's like, do you want them knowing the truth or do you want them making up to what they think the truth is? And you always go dark. You always go with a more negative thing most of the time than what the truth actually is. They don't. They have no idea what the truth is, right? Yeah. And, you know, I, I also have to be aware and so i've told some of my buddies it's like hey man yeah you're you're in a good mood you want to have some sex with your wife dude that's great realize that 
your wife probably has so much other stuff on her mind. It's not that she doesn't want to have sex. It's that she's thinking about the three kids, uh, if they have enough stuff for lunch this week, right? And the fact that one kid is behind on their homework and that you're leaving for a work trip in two days and you're going to be gone for three days. And she's thinking about all these other things that's going on. Like, that's all the stuff they have in their mind, right? Right. Now, you could just interrupt it and say, hey, you know, um, we've got – you know, we've got some time before the kids right. come home from school. Right. Um, you know, the last couple of nights you've been exhausted, you've fallen asleep. Is there any way, I, you know, we get a little loving in yeah. and like, you know, either they're going to be like, no, we don't have time or I'm doing this or they might just be like, yeah, let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, you had the conversation. Right. Right. I mean, and that's, yeah, the, there's that's no the- difference between talking with your wife about having sex or, you know, having a conversation with your kids about their bad behavior, their bad grades or their good behavior or their successes. Or if you're in a position of leadership, talk with your team, right? About what they're doing well and what they're not doing well. It's like the the whole counseling situation. When you have to counsel a member of your team, people don't have the guts to actually have that hard conversation. Right. And do hard conversations and hard situations, do they get better over time or worse? Well, you're right. You're they get worse. Right. So right. it's the same thing in regards yeah. to like, guys, listen to this. And if you're struggling with your marriage or you're not having enough sex or you're frustrated with your wife, have the dang conversation. Because I promise you, it's not going to get better over time because you are going to turn into a jerk Absolutely. towards your wife. You're going to hold animosity against her for no reason. And it's the same thing if you're in a position of leadership and you're, you have a team member that's underperforming. If you don't have that conversation, you're going to start having animosity against them. And that breeds a toxic culture and environment for your team. You got to, you have to have the conversation. Yeah. Well, you know what, here's, here's, here's what, here's what my wife and I did. Here's what's going to be hilarious. JP is um, this episode is going to come out and it's going to be, you know, 18 episodes of preaching. And then all of a sudden it's JP Donnell and Jared Ellis get together. What are they talking about? Talk about sex, the entire episode. (laughs) It's going to be awesome. They'll be like, what the heck? This podcast just took a weird (laughs) turn, but let me tell you this. Here's what's, here's what's really cool is, you know, when you get in that place, especially, especially once you get into, you know, your thirties, your forties, your kids start getting older and then the schedule just tightens up and you are going places all the time. And then you can't, you can't connect on that level. You can't connect on that level. Mm-hmm. My wife and I, I don't even remember where we heard this. We read this in a book or, or we heard a lecture. I can't even remember what it was. We, uh, we sat down one night and I said, look, here's the deal. The day is exhausting, but me and you, we got to connect soon. We got to connect soon. And she's like, I know. And I'm like, you're exhausted. I'm exhausted. Let's set the alarm for three o'clock in the morning. And she's like, come again. I'm like, let's set the alarm for three o'clock in the morning. That thing goes off. Me and you, we're getting our loving on. All right. And she's like, okay. Hey, instantly what happened was we're absolutely so excited to go to sleep. Like cannot wait to go to sleep because we have have interrupted all of our exhaustion and all of our busyness to say, hey, 3 a.m., the alarm's going off. Hey, that's the starting pistol, all right? That's it, right there. It's happening. And she's like, that's excellent. And I can't tell you how many times when the schedule got tight, just by carving into the sleep just a little bit. And you know what's cool is the next morning, we look at each other and it's just like, you know what? I don't know why, but I feel like we kind of got away with something last night. Like, I feel like, like maybe, like, oh, we, yeah. like we, like that was exciting. Like we just put something together because we sacrificed and man, you're not going to miss that. You're not going to miss that sleep. That's just, I mean, no. that's excellent. You know, that comes down to our, you know, I, I'm trying to tie this into like what we do and, you know, the, the laws of combat that we talk about. The third one is prioritize and execute. 
You have to set priorities. You have to set schedules. Wonderful connection. You know, it's good. Now, what you don't want to do is make it to where it's like, like a structured thing. Agreed. You you want it to be where it's, hey, you know, it's hey, you know, we've been running a gun and we're tired. Hey, tonight we're setting the alarm at three. Not like every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm with a hundred percent guaranteed. Like I know. A, um, I, I've heard this from a, a few people, right? And for me, I mean, cool. Hey, if it works for them, great, guys. If you're doing this and it works, great. I, I just, I didn't. I, to me, it took away the intimacy. I agree. Um, where, like, oh, like, though, you've probably heard this, so it's not going to shock you, but it, mm-hmm. it really surprised me. Is uh, they actually had an agreement when they were getting married. We will have sex on these days, like no matter what, right? Like we will have sex on these days. Uh, so a minimum, no, no, it gets better. <laughs> a minimum time per week that they had sex. And so let's say it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Monday, Wednesday, or like you know, whatever, right? There's like three or four days in the week. So it's three right. days. <laughs> if they had sex on one of the other days, that didn't take away from one of the scheduled ones. So it was a bonus. That's ridiculous. what in the world that is insane absolutely yeah i bet i bet you that i bet you that place is full of love full of grace i bet yeah i mean you 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 got a machine now now it's just a machine you know well you know that was the thing i was i was legitimately concerned when my buddy told me this and i I, and i'm not exact i mean i was legitimately concerned and i'm like man like like that's that's going to take away from the intimacy of of your marriage, you know. Yeah. And I, you know, where you're just like, I was like, what if she's not in the mood? He's like, it doesn't matter. Like we have an agreement. I'm like, bro, the rules like are the rules. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like what? Yeah, we have rules for a reason. Okay, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, insane. I don't know, man. It just it threw yeah. me off. So I well, mean, that's it. And I love I love well, when you know what comes. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, it just shows the reason why somebody would feel that they need to do that is because they're not comfortable communicating with their spouse. Oh, that's a good connection. Yeah. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. And because I mean, it just doesn't, and you know, I think I've probably been, I probably think I've probably been guilty of that before in the sense of, you know, here's a conversation we had, Jared, is it our sex life or is it just yours? And it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. You know, I mean that, I, I probably don't need to be as, you know, as uh, as hound dog as hound dog, you know, uh, tree and a tree and a raccoon as I am. Okay, I can probably probably dial that back. Yeah, it probably needs to be a little bit more, a little bit more passivity on my side. Uh, yeah, and you'd be aware of that because yeah. you're you're able to have good conversations. You're yeah, absolutely like, right. And that means like if your spouse is able to say that to you, that means that she's comfortable communicating with you. And that's yeah. a good, healthy place that you yeah. want to be. Yeah, I mean, great. communication is key. You know, we talk about the, the laws of combat. That's how we lead, right? That's what we talk about in the book, Extreme Ownership. So Jocko Lafe wrote a book called Extreme Ownership, right. New York Times number one bestseller. It's an amazing book. And that book helped me gain control of my life when I had completely allowed everything to fall apart, including my marriage and my family. Or a lot of people aren't aware of is Amanda and I were divorced. We we got a divorce and we were completely separated and everything, doing our own thing. And then 
I read extreme ownership and that helped me start to understand and realize like, you know what? All this stuff fell apart because of me, 100% me. And, um, you know, the cool thing about my wife also of reading, have, have read that book and, you know, listens to what we teach and preach and, you know, just listen to the Jocko podcast. She's gone to the musters is, you know, she just doesn't, she doesn't let me take a hundred percent ownership of it. Even though I'm like, no, it's a hundred percent mine. She's like, no, that was equally my fault. Like I did this. If we wouldn't have done this, this wouldn't have happened. If we would have done this, this wouldn't have happened, you know? And so we have a, a, a much better relationship, um, because we learn, you know, how important that communication is. Yeah. Uh, and it's something that we struggle with all the time, but you know, the laws of combat that they talk about in that book is, you know, the first one is cover and move. <clears throat> Cover move is a gunfighting technique, but you know what that is? That's teamwork. Mm. That's working with each other, working with different units. And, and for couples, if they fail to learn, if they fail to work together, if they fail to learn how to accomplish goals and the missions together, and they're not arguing and they're not trying to do their own little things, they're not in their own little silos. Oh, good. You know, that's a that's a dangerous place to be if you're not able to do that, right? So cover and move is the base of all the laws of combat because it requires teamwork. You have to be able to work with other people and you know, there's going to be silos, right? Or in, and for in a relationship, there's going to be like the silos and those walls that are built up between, yeah. you know, a husband and a wife because of a toxic environment, bad communication, um, somebody doing something that where they lose trust or, you know, they, they damage that relationship. And so you have to be able to break down those walls to actually reestablish that relationship. And yeah. once you have a relationship, you have trust. Yeah. Our second law of combat is simple. You have to be able to simplify your communication. Yeah. Your communication has to be simple, clear, and concise. In the middle of a gunfight, I don't have time for a long drawn out, drawn out <laughs> analytical game plan, right? I just don't, yeah. I'm going to get killed, right? Or I'm just going to be confused. Or I'm going to hear 10% of all the stuff you're trying to say. Same thing when you're doing your mission planning. You have to be simple, clear, and concise. And you have to get clarification. You have to actually ask for clarification from your team to make sure they understand what's going on. Yeah, you know, I just put a video out on, on Instagram and linked it to my Facebook about this. You know, Amanda asked me to go to the grocery store. I go to the grocery store and I should have known, like, hey, you know, these three things she's asking me to get, well, the three things that I screwed up and didn't get right, there's multiple variations to what that means, right? Could it be this, this, or this? Like I'm talking three to five variations for each of those individual things. Well, I just go, I assume I come back and she's like, she goes, that's my fault. I should have been more clear. So she's taking ownership of my screw up, right? And I'm like, no, actually I should have asked for (laughs) clarification or I should have done what I do is where I'll FaceTime you at the store if I have a confusion. Like, hey, which one of these (laughs) things do you want me to get? Yeah. And, um, like there's 20 variations of the hot dog bun. Which one do we get right. for the kid? Right. And uh, well, that's super. So that's I went super. Back to the store. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying. I went back to the store and I, you know, I got the right things. But I put a video out saying, you know, hey, you know, you have to get clarification. And it wasn't me blaming her for not getting, yeah, yeah. asking me. It was for me recognizing, hey, there are variations. There's things that could be not what I think it is. So I need to make sure I'm hundred percent clear. And we do that in mission planning all the time. And so this goes down to what we were just talking about with the spouses. I mean, I saw it from the grocery store. So how many other day-to-day 
you know, yeah. things that we run across when we're talking with our spouse or a member of our family or a member of our work or team at work or a member of our church or community or whatever, where we're not actually getting that clarification and that yeah. ruins relationships. It ruins the environment, you know, and then third law combat is prioritize and execute. You have all these things that are going on. You have to set priorities. You have to actually detach from your emotions and look at the situation logically. Hmm. How many times have you made a really good life decision when you're super emotional? <laughs> yeah, never, never. Never, yeah. never. I have never, right? And right. I ask companies all the time. And I've never had someone go, yeah, I made a really good life decision. Literally, Jared, I have never right. had anyone like say, yeah, I made a really good life decision when I was emotional. <laughs> Right. You know, and it's because we don't, we don't make good decisions when we're emotional. We have to be logical. And so in order for us to be logical, we have to detach yeah. and it takes time. It takes training. Yeah. It takes conditioning to learn to detach because how many times has your wife made you so mad sure. and you reacted and you said something that you're like, mm. Right. And then you just go with it because your ego's hurt. You're embarrassed. And you're like, I'm just going to come over the top instead of just like checking your ego uh -huh. and saying, yeah. Hey, you know what? I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> we don't, you know, most people don't do that. Most people don't do that at the beginning. Right. Mm -hmm. Now over time, hopefully you've learned yeah. to do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm still struggling with it, but I am much better when I get upset and just saying, Hey, you know what? I'm sorry. Yeah. I was confused blah 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 right and just right. however and just actually walk and sorry work through that conversation and then the last one is decentralized command and that's empowering everybody in your team to lead right and so if you have a family you want your kids to be able to make decisions on their own when you ask them to go do something you want them to complete the task right. well you can't just tell people what to do you need to give them the what and the why absolutely There's a lot of time that kids ask their parents like well why do you want me to do this and parents what's their answer because I told you because so. Because I said right? so. Right? right? Because I said so. Yeah. You, you know, if I ever talk back to my parents like you are, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, you ever think, you just ever <laughs> stop to think that maybe your kids are asking you why because they need clarification? Yeah. Because you failed to actually communicate <clears throat> with your kids mm -hmm. about what they need to do, why they need to do it, and it's something new to them. Right. And so, think, right. yeah. It's so it's says no no difference in business or with your family yeah. or your community or your church. It's all the same. You know, and the thing that ties those laws of combat together is communication. Yeah. Communication ties every one of those laws of combat together. And that's why communication is so important. You know, and I, I learned that in the military. I learned that in combat where we we're in gunfights where one of our guys was shot, bleeding out in the middle of the street. We have a force of enemy fighters maneuvering on us. And if it wouldn't have been for good communication, if it wouldn't have been for my leadership to actually be able to detach and assess what was going on, say, okay, I have five wounded guys in this courtyard. I have one guy that is critically wounded. If we don't stop the bleeding, get him out of here, he is going to die. Okay, get my corpsman over here. I need. He's talking on two different radios, one for the – um, you know, the higher ups up the chain of command and one for the other units in that area. And then right. talking to me and telling me that I need to go to the rooftop to set security and like all these things. If he wouldn't have been able to be stoic, mm. we would have gotten guys killed. Yeah. And yeah. we possibly could have gotten all of us killed because of the amount of enemy fighters that were trying to move on our position.
Yeah. But well, because it, we were able to detach and talk and communicate and then execute, we kept guys alive. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things, and, and, and you've done this several times already, and it was one of the things that I, that I emailed you. Uh, emailed you about and i made up a word too when i sent you when i sent you the email and and i said you do a really great job of parabolizing um (laughs) parabolizing um (laughs) stories that happen in your life like so you'll take an experience and then you learn how to parabolize it you know now listen jp you can keep saying all you want i don't think i don't think i'm a preacher listen you're starting to look more and more like the rabbi all the time the more parables you start <laughs> yeah. spitting you know but you do you 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 have a really good ability to take a scenario and move it over there so i understand what what jocko and leif see in 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 you as a as a as a speaker uh in in that I appreciate it. yeah that's a really cool thing you do a really great job at that really great job at that yeah, i got a quick question on Yes. Uh, on the detach part, uh, just is there is there some is there some steps or or a, or a scenario or maybe a, a process or a mantra that that you that you go through in your head to help you detach because you get in the heat of an argument anywhere. What you want to do is fire <laughs> fire back. Let me give, let me give you one for instance. Like you know, my wife and I we got in this argument. And what I really wanted to say to her, she's like, "Well, you know, Jared, you do this and this and this." And I say, "Yeah." And in my mind, this is what's going on. Uh, and it's it's not true. It's not true. But I want to say it anyway because it's mean. Oh, That's no. you know. Oh uh, yeah. And so what I, I want to what I want to say to her is, well, I mean, you've never been around a real man. That's the, that's the main problem. You know, it's like that. That's not true. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> but you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but like dudes have <laughs> testosterone, and kind of, so, so this is what you get. You've never been around a real man, so you don't know what this is. Like, you know, and it's like, yeah. hey, that, first, that's not true. That's not true. Her dad's a good man. Her brother's a good man, you know, but you just want to be, you just want to, in that moment, I have to detach. And so I pull myself back and I say, you've got to, you've got to start distilling that because you can't say, you can't say that. You can't say that. Well, the reason, what's your your process? So the reason, well, A, I would first recognize and, you know, you know, this isn't what you want to hear, but this is the truth. The reason why you want to say that is because you're insecure. Ah, good. All right. That's yeah. the truth. Because guess what? Yep. I'm insecure about things. And when I'm insecure, I I say some pretty, pretty mean things. Yeah. And, you know, Amanda, you know, Amanda always says, she's like, you know, God has given you an ability to speak, which is funny because I don't like speaking in front of people. Uh-huh. Well, I used to say that. And Jocko and Leif at this last muster were like, bro, you got to stop saying that. Like you're speaking in front of all these groups and companies all the time. You you do a good job. Stop saying that. And I was talking with another one of my buddies, Alan, who helps out on the musters. And he's a incredible man of faith. He always prays with me before I speak Mm. and um, always praying for me and the family. And, you know, I said that he's like, and he agreed. He's like, yeah, you got to stop speaking that into your life. Mm. Um, It's just, it's just not true. But, I, uh, man, I can get pretty mean, like evil with my tongue. Yeah. And it's, it's scary. It's like, it's a scary thing of like how quickly in my mind I can go, Oh, well, if I say this, this, and this, like you're done, like Mm -hmm. I will finish you and you'll just, you'll, you'll be contemplating why you're living this life still. Right. Right. And that's not a good thing, man. That is not of, that is of 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 the enemy absolutely 100%, right right yeah, absolutely and right. um 
I just, you know, I just have to be real careful with that. And so I realize that when I do that, it's because I'm insecure. Mm. 100%. It's a 100% insecurity, right? And so recognize that when you lose your temper, that's a sign of weakness because you're allowing somebody else's words or actions or the situation to dictate how you react. You're not in control. And I remember when Jocko told me, he was like, hey, whenever you lose your temper, that is a sign of weakness. And I was like, okay. So first, I just have to recognize that if I lose my temper, that's a sign of weakness. And I like to consider myself to not be a weak person. I like to kind of be in control. So if I can learn to control my emotions, I can control my environment. And so it's just the having the ability to recognize mm that that's all it is there is no like breathing technique there's no like i do this this and this and it gets my mind right it's understanding how important that is it's like people say like hey like what do i need to do to shift my mindset so i can change what i'm doing and my answer is always when it's important enough you will decide to do it that's good that's a good answer that is what i don't you can't get you, you don't need to be any more elaborate than that. When you recognize that your ability to communicate is one of the most important things that you can harness because it'll save your marriage. It'll save your relationship with your kids. It'll save your relationship with your family. Mm-hmm. It will actually give you the ability to be a better performer at work and in business. Therefore make more money, have the ability to tithe more to your church make a greater impact on your community because you're good at communicating then you'll you'll put a little more time and effort into being a, a better communicator, yeah, right? And that's a whether great that's listening to podcasts or reading books or typing, right? And yeah. so I wanted to be better at, with articulating my words. And I was talking with Jaco and he said, start writing. I said, okay. So I start so I, I, I try to type or write something every day, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's short, sometimes it's couple thousand words right if i've got a lot on my mind and i'm just trying to work through some stuff i just i start typing and i just i get into that rhythm um and for 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 me i I tie it back into what we did in the military in training right in the seal teams we trained all the time and we trained so many repetitions where it the basic skills became muscle memory and we do things that we don't even think about well one of the things that we're always doing is scanning right and I try to relate that to um, a, a conversation. So I, I'm scanning, I'm assessing my environment, right? I deem that there's a threat that's possibly coming. I'm going to get my rep. I'm going to go from my weapon being slung to now maybe it's like halfway up or I'm, I'm tracking on that target because I'm able to assess. I don't just bring my gun up and start shooting because right. if I do that, if you're at a distance and I shoot you and you don't have a weapon, guess what? I'm going to prison, right? Because that's murder. Right. And we don't kill people that don't have weapons or that aren't posing a threat right. to us. So I'm tracking on you. I'm ready to engage if I need to. And then once I can identify that you are a threat, I have the jump on you. I have the advantage because I'm assessing everything that's going on. You know, I don't want to get ambushed. I want to do the ambushing. Right. And so I, you know, I've gotten from the flank or whatever I need to do. And so I engage. After we engage, we don't just put our gun away. And that's one of the things I hate is I see these shooting videos and guys are like, bah, 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 bah. they'll shoot and then they put their gun away like as fast as they can. Guys and girls, if you're listening to this, 
if you deem there to be a threat that requires your weapon out, it's a race to get the gun out, not to put the gun away. (laughs) Okay. So how does that relate to conversations? Yeah. If you have identified this conversation needing you to say this, this, and this, you have the assessment, right? You assess what you're going to say. You think about what you're going to say. And as you think about what you're going to say, you kind of have some ideas to what their counter could be or what they're going to say. And then therefore you could kind of come back and kind of dictate the conversation and have it in your control. I know this is a little sporadic right now, but bear with me on this, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. And so it's just, it's the same, like, so I talk about having that weapon up, right? I'm engaging. Well, we scan after we shoot as well, right? Mm. We don't just put our gun away. We engage. We scan with the finger on the trigger because <laughs> if I need to re-engage again, I'm ready, right? Well, yeah. okay, scan, deep breath. That deep breath slows my heart rate down. Yeah. It enables me to kind of get that big picture because I'm sure, I mean, I have, I don't know, maybe you have or someone listening has ever said something out of anger and that afterwards they're like, what just happened? Like, what did I just say? Or an argument where you literally, you can't recall the conversation because you were so amped up. Your heart rate was so high. Your blood pressure got up to actually took away your ability to think Mm -hmm. and remember and, you know, keep that information in there. Right. And so we scan after we shoot and then we take the finger off the trigger we look around, complete situational awareness, and then you put your gun down or your pistol back in the holster, and then you kind of bring your hands back up to where it's like looking around. Okay, cool. Threats eliminated. What's my next step? Yeah. So because we scan before, we're always assessing, and we scan afterwards, it gives us that advantage. Yeah. And I think the mistake that people make, especially men, is we are too quick to re- just blah, right say something to say something mm-hmm. so that we can dominate the conversation and if you know actuality if we actually listened to what was being said and then reacted we would have the advantage yeah that's yeah, the it- one thing that jocko is amazing at is just listening and letting everybody talk and assessing everything and then he'll be like hey guys jocko here it's like, oh, yeah, I know it's Jocko, but okay. Right. Thanks, boss. You know, <laughs> And he'll be like, hey. And then he puts his info in, and you're like, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Ties it all in. <clears throat> well, one of the things I hear you say in, in, in this conversation is, especially when it comes to communication, whether it's um, husband and wife, whether it's with uh, other employees, your boss, um, congregations, pastors, parishioners, having these kind of conversations is – a lot of times what happens is we draw, we start firing, we put it away as quick as we can, and then we just kind of stand around like, now, now, see, now, now, now I handle all my business right there. And it's kind of like, hey, you had, you never identified who the threat was. You never identified one single part of this. All you did was did your part in your mind of what you thought was right. And now you got people wounded everywhere. And you've just, I mean, you've got, everybody's just bullet riddled at this point, you know, because you had no self-awareness to stop and say, am I in the right where I'm doing, what I'm doing right now? Have I identified exactly what the problem is? Or did I see something I thought was scary and Mm -hmm. I fired off a bunch of stuff and now I hurt somebody I love 
I hurt somebody um, who's in charge of me. I've hurt somebody who I work with. I've hurt a friend all because it's, it's about me, my insecurity. So yeah, yeah. I, hear, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. really good. And that's the thing you do. I, I'm telling you, JP, I, I, from, from listening to your stuff, you're great at parabolizing all these kind of, all these kind of situations and, and then bringing them into, into focus. Was there some transition in that when, when you first kind of started realizing that? Or is that, has that been a common thing for you? I think it's a common thing, but I'm more aware of it now, obviously, because of what I do every day. Yeah. You know, this is, this is what I do. So I'm able to look back and be like, okay, boom, 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 boom. But I, I, you know, I will say I was decent at it because, you know, Jocko, you know, and Seth, Seth was the Delta Platoon commander when we deployed to Ramadi. So if someone's yeah. listened to Jocko's podcast or read the book, that's who Seth was. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away a little over two years ago. But, um, you know, Seth was really good at communication. Jocko was phenomenal. Leif's always been, re- you know, really good as well. Um, but I would say I was probably decent at it because they put me in a position of leadership when we deployed to Ramadi. Yeah. It was myself, Seth, and uh, five other SEALs and an interpreter that went out to a little forward operating base on the eastern side of Ramadi, and I got bumped into a position of leadership. And it wasn't because of my rank. I was the youngest and most junior-ranking guy, and I got put in that position of leadership. So I would assume I had the ability to kind of do that. And then when I was in training as an instructor – I think I did a decent job at that. You know, I still, I have buddies that are like, Hey man, I'll, I'll never forget. Like when I came to the block of training, you taught me this, this, and this. And I'm like, Holy cow. I don't even remember that. That's Excellent. cool. You know, and we're talking, you know, 13 years later, 12 mm-hmm. years later. Um, and then, you know, when I got out, I was doing sales at a financial company and I did decent there. I think, you know, I got promoted to sales manager uh, within like eight or nine months of being there. Um, and, you know, I, I look back and I think, you know, that transition was real rough for me. You know, I, I did stuff and said stuff that I shouldn't have. And I acted, you know, I, I really wish I could go back and say, hey, guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, like, you know, let's right. do this over again. Right. Um, you know, and I, I know probably one of the guys I damaged a relationship with because I'll reach out to him here and there on social media. And I like, I never hear anything back from him. So I'm yeah. like, hmm. like almost to the point where like, it bothers me to where I want to fly out there and just yeah. go to the office and be like, Hey man, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, good for you. you know, I had a rough transition, blah, blah, blah. Now the other guys I talk with, they're, they're super cool. Like we still have <clears throat> good working relationships and we communicate, but you know, but also here's the other thing. I don't know what this guy has going on in his life. So right. he could be going through some stuff and I am the last thing on his priority as to what he needs to, you know, talk about i don't know you know he could be having some family yeah. problems or problems at work or problems with his kids and yeah, true. Like, why would he want to talk with me so i i, I try to detach and just you yeah. know realize for hey, you. you know i need, for you. need to make that right but um you know i think i did a decent job uh being able to do that because when i was doing sales i had a good ability at just listening and communicating with clients and prospects and i built really good relationships with my clients um, and I was able to close deals that most new sales guys probably couldn't, mm-hmm. but I was just able to talk and communicate and just listen and say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to solve your problems mm-hmm. and here's why, and here's how, You're like, here's what my company does. And people trusted me, I think. Um, and that's the base of sales, right? People, yeah. you buy from people that you like and trust. Yeah. And I would, you know, I still have some of my old clients that reach out and say, Hey man, hope you're doing well. 
or hey, my team's kind of going through these problems right now. Um, you know, what do you think? And then I'm able to talk with them through it, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's excellent. I um, I always have a question. I always have a question for the preachers. I always ask them, hey, when you read through Scripture, um, what's a story that you read that you find humor in? Like something that's in Scripture and you find humor in. I have a I have a similar question, um, but but a little little different little different vein. And now listen, you got to understand, JP, my mind. It's a little broke, all right? And so okay. there's, these, there's these moments that I have, and I'm like, I wonder if other people are having similar moments. And so, so okay. here's my question. What's the funniest conversation that you had with some of the guys that you've been on mission with? What are some of the funniest conversations you've had in the middle of a firefight? Is there such a thing? Oh, yeah. We were up on a rooftop <laughs> in this building that we're in. Um, and we're set up in Overwatch, and we'd engage some enemy fighters, and they quickly figured out where we're at. And I just remember, um, <laughs> I mean, dude, I have the video of it, which is pretty cool. Um, there's video. I mean, dude, our building is just—you hear this, like all the snap of the of the rounds, like cracking over the rooftop, and then you hear them hitting the wall, like. Like, like right behind me, if this was like a big, like 12 to 18 inch, like parapet wall up on the flat roof and we're like crouched behind it and you just hear like the bullets hitting the wall, RPGs got shot at the building and they're exploding and like all this stuff. And we're like laughing and like the guys are like, literally we're in tears laughing. We're like, man, somebody's upset down there. And like my buddy pulls out this thing. He's just like. And he starts packing his dip. And he's like, man, this would be a really good commercial for this company if they wanted to sponsor me during deployments. He takes out a big lip and puts it in. And he, like, holds up the can. He says something, like, as, like, a tagline for the commercial. Like, puts it back in his pouch. And then, like, uh, there's a little lull. So he gets done doing that. And then he gets up over the wall. And he's like, ba 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 It starts, like, shooting his gun. And it's all on video. And I just remember I was, like, just laughing. Like, just uh, laughing so hard. Copenhagen, and, uh, Copenhagen. In yeah, there. it was uh, <laughs> when you're yeah, in a pinch. It was Copen- yeah, it was Copenhagen. It was something along those lines. Uh, and then, uh, and then Seth a couple times. It was so funny. He would always try to, um, you know. So when you're overseas, you're on base. You know, they have like local vendors that are selling stuff or whatever, and like they're always like, ah, oh, for you, ah, oh, for you, I got a good deal for you. You know, and you're like, yeah, okay. And it's like, hey, I got these, you know, they sell these DVD sets and they're all like pirated copies and they're like super crappy. Like you buy it, you come back and you're like, hey man, these don't work. I want my money back. <laughs> and they're like, well, no, that was a good set. And you're like, hey, I want my money back. I'm like, oh, for you, for you, I'll give you your money back, my friend. And it's just like, like it's just, they're always saying for you, for you, my friend. Right, right. And so we'd be up on a rooftop and you know, we'd engage somebody or, you know, we'd be getting shot at. And Seth, our platoon commander, would be like, ah, for you, my friend, I got a special <laughs> treat for you. And then I would, like, shoot somebody. And it was just, like, this funny thing, like, you're engaging uh, enemy fighters. And he'd be talking, like, I got something for you, my friend. You. And we would engage. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Uh, that's good and stuff. The rest of the stuff we laugh about, I can't talk about. So Yeah. No, that's <laughs> great. That's great. Well, the reason, the reason I ask that question is I think sometimes what happens with – with a lot of people in in uh, in lines of work where things get very very serious, like we have this we have this thing about us that like we got to find the funny in the dark places. Like you've got to be able to. I mean, otherwise you don't 
Otherwise, you can't hardly survive, you know? You can't hardly survive what's going on. You know, you can't be under that much stress, that much pressure. And here's what I know for preachers. Preachers get in that situation. And I I say this all the time. Uh, Police officers, firefighters, EMTs, doctors, nurses, military guys. Some of the most unhealthy people, you know, in the world. I mean, it's just as far as just learning how to function. Yeah. You know, because they've, they're so good at taking care of other people and taking care of business and doing the yep. things and being, being proactive and doing that, that they really lose a piece of them in the process. And I would tell you, um, there's a, I mean, it's, it's happening at a pretty, at a pretty astonishing rate right now where ministers are falling out of, out of ministry. Um, they're, they're, they're bailing out on churches. Um, they're into depression you know, suicide rate for ministers is going up, you know, and that's just crazy. Really? That, yeah. Which is just like, crazy. You know, it's just absolutely crazy. But, but part of the thing is, is that it goes back to that, a very similar, very similar mindset of, you know, Hey, do you have friends? Do you laugh? Did you, rem- did, did you forget how to be a man? You remember yeah. when we were kids, we built clubhouses and we said, no girls allowed. And, you know, we, we, we isolated and we laughed about stuff and we used to do these things and we had these hobbies and we had these places we went. We always played baseball or we climbed up or we always, we always played war or we always played cowboys and Indians or whatever, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And what happens is we, we come through life and we respond, we get responsibilitized to the point to where we, we no longer know how to function like dudes, like laughing back and forth and having conversations mm-hmm. and learning how to get healthy and stop worrying about everybody else for just a minute. And go ahead and take it, take the pulse on where you're at. Are you okay? You know, yeah. are you okay? You know, what can you, what can you, what can you speak to in that, in that same thing? Transition for you coming from being uh, overseas and deployed and then back to civilian life or even in and then retired. Uh, yeah, retired? So I is that the right yeah, word? So I, no. So retired is if you do 20 plus years, gotcha. unless you get medically retired from gotcha, the military, gotcha, meaning gotcha. that they're like, Hey, you know, you're, you're medically unfit to do your job because of what has happened to you in the service. We are going to medically retire you and you're down. Gotcha. I got out at just under 12 years. It's just, I got out, right? Gotcha. So I, I served, gotcha. I did my okay. job, I did my time. Thanks for um, so yeah, yeah, easy day. Um, so yeah, I did, I did three, three deployments, two to Iraq, one to Afghanistan. Um, you know, when I was, as an instructor, there's times, you know, I wasn't very happy being there. I'd rather be deployed or rather be overseas, but I was there for a reason. And Jocko had those conversations with me and he's like, Hey, you need to change your attitude, your mindset, man. Like, yes, I would love for you to be overseas right now, but that's not your job. Your job is to be the absolute best instructor. So we can pair these guys so that we can prepare these guys to go to war and then all come home. So we don't have to put our dress blue uniform on to yeah. go to another effing funeral. Yeah. All right. And then we have to take our tridents off our chest and put those into another casket. That's your job. And that conversation hmm. meant more to me than most had in my young adult life. Right. Yeah. And it really reshaped how I looked at what I was doing and shifted my focus. And, you know, I, I, I would like to believe I was a good instructor until the day I got out. I tried to be the best instructor possible. You know, when we we come back from a long, hard block of training where we've been on the road for four, five, six weeks, and you know we're just going, 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 and a group, you know, of guys that were getting ready to deploy, 
um, to Afghanistan. We're like, hey, we'd like to go do some training up in the mountains, but they had to have an instructor there, right? You have right. to have a range safety officer and someone from trade at. And whenever those came about, I would be like, yeah, I'll go, man. You know, I just, did I want to be up there? No. Did I want to be up there? Yeah. yeah. There's a little bit of both, right? Yeah. And I really had to understand that the priority was, dude, these brave men that are deploying to Afghanistan in, in a month or two. Hmm. Like I'm back here in the United States, like chilling in San Diego, mm -hmm. you know, traveling, getting per diem, going to go work out, do whatever. These guys are literally going to go live in the mountains of Afghanistan, getting attacked and attacking every single day. Yeah, I can get off my little comfort, yeah. you know, chair and, and go serve and serve these men. Right. Yeah. And so when I found that I was trying to serve others, I had much more fulfillment. That's a good. Answer. And when people lose sight of their ability to serve others, that's when depression starts to creep in because they have no fulfillment, right? Yeah. They're just doing the mundane task, the day-to-day -day thing. And that's why I have so much fulfillment with what I do is because I know I am serving and I am helping and I am doing something to contribute to people every single time I travel. That's what makes it easy for me to mm. be on the road so much. I mean, I love my wife. I love my kids. I like to be around them. Uh, you know, if there's any other job, there's no way you would have to pay me like $15 million a year plus for me to be gone as much as I am yeah, sure. for it to even make sense. I mean, honestly, like that's, you would literally, it would be some ridiculous number yeah. that no company is going to ever pay. Right. It's just going <laughs> right, to happen. Right. right. So right. I'm like, cool. But I love what I, what, what I do with that far yeah. in front. Is and that transition, that transition at home, is that transition at home uh, a difficult thing? When, when you, when you come off and you say, okay, so now I need to turn off, I need to turn off and I need to be yeah, present. It is. Uh, it, it has been, you know, Dave Burke wrote an article for, it was called our platoon space uh, that we have at echelon front, where if you go to echelonfront.com, you can find platoon space and it's like different articles guys have written. And he wrote one about just finding that balance. Hmm. And when you're home, you're home and you're present a hundred percent. Right. And he's really good at that. Yeah. Like he'll even put his phone on do not disturb mode during certain times of the day wow. when he's with his kids doing stuff, which is pretty cool. That's real cool. And um, like when he's driving, he's talking with the kids and playing with the kids and his wife. Like he's yeah. not, you know, not, not doing anything else. Not answering he's emails present. and yeah. All the other yeah. Stuff. He's present, man, which is really cool. Um, so yeah, there is a struggle. There is that, you know, difficulty. When I first got out and I transitioned out, <coughs> excuse me, I had a really hard time because I failed to, reestablished my mission like i just i didn't you know have clarity in what i was doing and that how i was serving others yeah i was making money for my family but there was there was not that fulfillment and i um you know i went through a real dark time and you know did stuff i'm not proud of said stuff i'm not proud of um and it was solely because i was upset with where i was at and yeah what I was doing and I didn't have that camaraderie. Now I tried to fill that void with doing jujitsu and MMA and I fought, I did I, you know, amateur MMA. So I had some fights, which was, right. which really helped because I had that, that camaraderie, that bond, that hard training, that hard, um, just times with other guys. But I had to find a balance because when I was doing that, I was way out of balance with time with my family. Right. 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 Sure. And so, yeah, I'm in a great mood. I'm prepping for this fight. I'm training. I, I fight. I win. Yeah. I did pretty decent. I, it was six and one. 
as an industry fighter. Yeah, yeah. But it's um, costing you. It's costing you in the long run in other places. Cost, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. just being able to try to find that balance. And, you know, I found that when I'm communicating with Amanda, we have much more clarity on yeah. what each other needs. Right. That's good. And when she knows that I need to go work out or go train, she's like, hey, go to the gym, go train. You know, and the nice thing is our whole family does jujitsu. So awesome. when, you know, we're at the gym, we're at the gym together. Yeah. And when I'm on the road, Amanda tries to get the kids there and that's great. And when I'm home, it's like, Hey, we're definitely going, but it's just, you know, comes down to us actually talking and yeah. understanding what each other needs. Yeah. And, you know, me also being aware and, and understanding that Amanda's not going to say, Hey, I need this. Right. Right. Like your wife isn't getting those little subtle hints that you're getting when you're <laughs> right. like, man, it's very clear to me and it should be very clear to you that I want to have sex, yeah. but it's not clear to her. Right. We have to also re- realize that, you know, we're going to be doing all these hints and making right. uh, these suggestions that they're not going to catch or they're just choosing to, <laughs> you know, ignore because they have other stuff on their mind and right. maybe they're also wanting us just to straight up say it right yeah like, hey, yeah yeah right say you want to have sex okay cool yeah. but so the flip side to that is I, I mean maybe it's different for you or for other people listening but most wives when the guys that i've talked to their wives aren't telling them i need this right because right. the wives are expecting the men to know that and or be aware of that and to lead right women want to be led by their men yeah thank you for, yeah thank you for saying they that. do you're 100 right. and there's nothing wrong with that right, right? women want to be led by by men by their partners and you know you think about all the stupid arguments people get into and it's yeah. just like well what do you want to go eat i don't care and then there's like this you end up getting into a stupid argument over where you go eat when it's like instead like guess what there's five restaurants in this area that I know my wife really likes. So instead of me saying, Hey, where do you want to go eat? I'm like, Hey, would you like to go to Hanabi tonight for sushi? Yeah. Cool. Let's go. Yeah. yeah I'm not going to get, you know, and if she says, uh, I don't know. I'm like, are you in the mood for Mexican? Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's go. Let's go to, yeah. to Chewy's then. Right. Yeah, I'm then, just like picking and dictating. not getting, not getting hung up in the, not getting hung up in the, you know, what is, what does she think or what is, you know, all this kind of thing. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's good advice. You know, one of the things we talk about with, uh, with a group of men, um, here at the church is if you find that your wife is having a hard time following, if your wife, if you're having a hard, if your wife ha- seems to have a hard time following what's going on and what you're wanting inside your home, it might be due to the fact that she has not been able to find an identifiable leader. It's not a might. That's a 100%. And I know you're being a smart aleck by saying that. <laughs> right. But it is 100%. She can't. That they don't have a clear leader. Right. Your yeah. job is to lead. Yeah. You know what? Her job is to also lead. And you <laughs> right. have to empower her to lead. Yes. If you want your team to take ownership, you have to take ownership. Yeah. A lot of people would say that faith or Christianity is a passive answer to a violent world. What's your, what's your thoughts on that? Let me make sure I, I heard you 100%. Say that one more time, please. That, that faith or Christianity is a passive answer to a violent world, meaning 
um, it it doesn't bear the it doesn't bear the weight it doesn't bear the weight um, to participate inside of the world as it is now as culture has shifted Christianity faith all that has just moved to the outside it it, it has no bearing on life anymore what would you what would you say to that I'd say that's not true yeah um, and if somebody does believe that it's because of um, you know weak weak individuals being the um uh, as to who they assume christians are uh yeah right and so if you know if you eat so there's a few people on social media that i you know on facebook that i'm friends with that i've really struggled with back and forth on either just unfollowing them or um, just reaching out. And I think this is what I should do um, is reaching out and saying, Hey man, you have a platform, you have a good amount of followers and you are throwing up mixed signals to everybody that follows you because one post you're talking about things that I don't think a husband should talk about their wife on social media yeah. and, you know, saying these, you know, uh, different comments about her body and, and sexually and what you guys do and did and you know all this other stuff right. and then literally the next day or that same day later on you'll make some post about um, your faith and being a Christian yeah. and I was like you know it's, it's one or the other and you're, you're showing up mixed signals and, and if people look at you and, and think that's an example of a Christian man then you're, you're just you're not showing them what the true example is. You're not, you're not living your life Christ-like. And here's the thing. I am not casting stones and being judgmental in regards to me acting like my life is together because my life is not, it is, it's, you know, at times it's really good and at times it's a train wreck, but you know, I'm at least conscious of it. And I I, want to make sure I'm not saying or doing things that contradict each other. Right. So I'm pretty consistent with what I post and, and put out there. And I'm pretty consistent with how I actually live my life. Right. (laughs) Uh, Right. And so, you know, I don't think anybody would look at me as a weak individual. Right. uh, And when it comes to what I believe, I I believe in God. I believe in the Holy spirit. Yeah. Um, I believe that I had angels and protection on every one of my deployments and my whole life. And my parents have prayed that over me. My grandpa, parents have prayed that over me my grandmother still continues to every single day wake up and pray over each individual in our family before she starts the day and there are times where she's texted me a scripture that could not have been more spot on for what i needed in my life and i know that is because she's in tune with god and the holy spirit and what we need in our lives no question right and so i know these are facts um i also know that christian men and women are called to be bold and to stand up in our faith. And now there's this culture of, well, I don't want to offend somebody. Right. You know, and you know what, you know, I just, because we allow and we, we, we allow things that, you know, are contrary to our beliefs. And, you know, if, if in the Bible, and if you're if you're sitting there and your beliefs are that marriage is supposed to be between a be between a man and a woman, and you're a pastor and that's what you believe, and that's your faith and that's your foundation, yet you're going to go marry 
men together or right. women together, then why are they going to listen to anything else that you have to say? Right. Like, I'm sorry. Like you have to be consistent with <laughs> one or the other. hundred percent. And, right. um, you know, and I, I feel like I'm kind of digressing. No, you're, you're your good. Yeah, that's good. Is. That's good. But I just, it's just examples that we set. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if we're allowing people to push us over, if we're allowing things to, to change in our culture and society without actually stepping up and saying something, then that's a, that's a dangerous place to be. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, that's good. I appreciate that. You know, uh, I, I think about, I think about a guy like you trained to do what you've been trained to do and going out and being faithful to carry out uh, the missions that you've been given and you holding your faith, you holding your faith close to you and, and living through that. And, and your, here's another thing that I really appreciate about you, your transparency on, on how to live your life. That's something that, that, that preachers could really learn from. That's something preachers could really learn from, especially a lot of the ones that I know. That transparency. And it's okay thing. to stumble. See, it's okay that's to, the, yeah, and that's, that's the and thing. that's what you're talking about. It's okay. You, you know, and that's why, like, it blows my mind that you're saying that there's an increasing rate of pastors killing themselves. Well, the reason why is because of pressure that they put upon themselves Bingo. because of the way the world has changed. Social media is a very real thing, right? Well, social media is also a very fake thing. People can live how whatever life they want to make up on social media, and, and people believe that to be the, the base and the foundation right. of how they should live their lives. Yeah. No, you live your own life, right? And yeah. and so these 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 pastors need to realize that hey, you know what? Uh, there's only been one person that lived a life without sin. One. It wasn't right, you. right? And it wasn't you. Yeah. It's the guy you're talking about. Uh -huh. It's the guy that you're trying to emulate. Yeah. But you're going, you're going to fall short, and that's okay. It is just part of it. And if you're not, you know, falling short, then that means that you're actually not living your life the way that you're supposed to live your life because you're not pushing yourself. Yeah. You're not stepping outside of your comfort zone. You're not failing. Now, if you're habitually failing in 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 areas of your life that you shouldn't be failing in, that's a different. Yeah, come on. The different. What, what do I need? What do I need? What do I need in my life, JP? I find myself habitually failing in the same area over and over. What's the, what's the, what's the one, two, three things I need to move into my life uh, to help me get past that? Well, one, you need accountability. You're, you keep making the same mistakes because nobody's holding you accountable. Like one, you should hold yourself accountable. Two, you should have a you know, a group of individuals that are going to hold you accountable for your actions. They're going to have those hard conversations with you. Right. Um, you know, one of the things I've been trying to do when I do jujitsu is to not look at the clock when we're rolling, right. If we're drilling oh, okay. or sure. if we're rolling is just to not look at the clock because to, in my mind, that's a sign of weakness because I'm looking to see how much time do I have until I get a break. Right. Mm -hmm. So now what I do is I penalize myself with burpees or a hard workout. So I keep track of the amount of times I look at the clock in the evening, and then I will do some sort of a penalty workout either that evening or the next day to, to make it to mm -hmm. where I, I think about that and I don't do it again. So excellent. if you're falling short and you're doing something, you need to penalize yourself because without a penalty, you're not going to change. You're not going to shift, right? You actually need to, to say, oh, when I do this, that's a bad thing. And when I do yeah. bad things, there's consequences for my actions. If you got to drive around all the time, 
and speed and you never got a speeding ticket, would you ever drive the speed limit? Right. No. Heck no. Who would? No one. But you know why I drive the speed limit? Because I ain't trying to pay for it and explain it when I get home. Because I don't want to pay for the ticket. That's right. I don't want it, – it's not because I, I – <laughs> dude, I'm a good driver. I've been to driving schools and racing schools. I, I can drive as fast as my vehicle will let me, and I'll, I'm going to be okay. Because I know in different environments what, what the threshold is, right? And I, I will push that machine to the threshold the whole time and be okay. I'm not worried about hurting myself or hurting somebody else. What I'm worried about is paying money. <laughs> I got I got a wife with kids. I got we went, to buy, kids. went to buy basketball shoes. I ain't trying to drop 150 bucks on a ticket. Yeah, my 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 son is 13 and wears size 14 shoes. You know how many shoes he's burned through in the last oh, year and a half? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know how many almost brand new pairs of shoes we've given away? <laughs> Oh, switching funny. through that every every two months. No, it's not funny. Every two uh, months, we're buying new <laughs> shoes, man. Well, hey, no, let, but reality, hey, there needs to be accountability. So, yeah. like, hey, there needs to be accountability. You, hey, you need to be mature enough and man enough or woman enough, just or I should say, adult enough, yeah, to hold yourself accountable. Because if you're not going to, who's going to? Right. Nobody. If you're not going to take action, who's going to? If you're not going to take ownership. To lead yourself and lead your teams, who's going to take ownership? The answer is no one. Right. So until you decide to take ownership of your life, take ownership of your consequences for making bad decisions, to hold yourself accountable, to, to get a group of guys or girls, if there's women listening to this group, guys, I don't suggest having other women hold you accountable for your actions. Have men hold yourself accountable. Right. Women have women hold yourself accountable for your actions. Then nothing's going to change. Yeah. Nothing is going to change. Yeah. So it's until Excellent. you decide that you want to make it happen. JP Donnell, you know? my buddy, you are you are knocking it out of the park. This is this is Appreciate excellent, it. excellent dialogue. Love what you're doing. Thank you so much for your service. Um, thank you so much for what you do with Echelon Front. Uh here's here's Appreciate my hope. I, I hope at some point, um, when when there's a muster, me and one of my one of my partners can break free. And and make it down. I would love to meet you face to face. Love to come in. That'd be awesome. Take part in something like that. That's excellent. So yeah, I don't. Uh, we should be releasing the dates soon, but we have three musters in the United States in 2020, and uh, they're in pretty decent areas to be able to travel to. So it'll be good. I saw one in Dallas. I can't remember where the other two. Arizona, and uh, I can't remember what the other one was. Um, Orlando. Orlando. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So they did release them. I saw the three. Those are the three I saw. Nice. Yep. That's that's where we're at. Excellent. JP Donnell, thank you so much for being on the Homeless Podcast, buddy. I appreciate this. I appreciate it. Yeah. And if anybody wants to follow me on, on social media, it's, it's pretty simple. It's on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. It's all the same. It's at JP Donnell. So at J-P-D-I-N-N-E-L-L. Uh, so if you want to follow me on there, interact with me on, on there, that's usually the easiest way to do it. If you want to learn more about what we do at Echelon Front, it's echelonfront.com. So that's E-C-H-E-L-O-N-F-R-O-N-T.com or to gain more information on the musters because they will sell out. Everyone has sold out. People are like, oh, well, let me wait. Nope, they're going to sell out. It's extremeownership.com. Extremeownership.com. Very simple. 
And hey, remember, you can make excuses or you can make things happen. You can't do both. That's awesome. JP Donnell, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it, man. I'll catch up with you later on. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to the Homeless Podcast. I appreciate JP Donnell and his willingness to jump on here and have this conversation. Some uh, some good deep stuff. So uh, appreciate that a bunch. If you've got some other names that you want me to uh, you want me to look into, some guys you want me to chase down, try to get a, get a conversation with, let me know. Email me at thehomilist at gmail dot com. That's thehomilist t h e h o m i l i s t at gmail dot com. And you can check us out at the website as well, thehomilist.com. All right. Thanks for listening.